listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 385. My name's Dave, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our discussion of the classic military sci-fi series, Stargate SG-1. And uh, I saw in the news that your kid's school system got hit by uh, a, a hacker. Yep. Uh, they got a little, little ransomware attack that uh, has uh, crippled the, the system. And, of course, uh, when all your classes are online, this has an uh, effect on the schedule. So they had today off, and they'll have tomorrow off as well. Uh, but apparently they're, it's back to back to school on Wednesday. So hopefully that means that they resolved it. Uh, I hope they, they didn't resolve it by paying off the millions of dollars, I'm sure, that the, the ransomers were asking for. But we'll see. Well, well, I'm sure it's the same guys that went in and changed all the votes in the U.S. presidential exactly. election. So, you know, you know, these are big time criminals. So anyway, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't help it. Um, <laughs> all right. Now, you're, you're going to love my uh, tip of the week, what we're watching. And, and I'm just going to head you off right now. I know you told me. Okay. You, you, okay. Whatever. All right. All right. So I'll probably uh, still say I it. Fi- but yeah. Yeah. I know. I know. I, know. I finished my X Files uh, rewatch, and I, I, I will just say I really enjoyed it. I'd forgotten there was so much controversy about the ending, to the point that creator Chris Carter has even gone on record as saying he apologizes for the ending. He assumed he was going to get another season. You know, having now rewatched it, well, okay, I see what you're saying, but I'm okay with the ending if this is the ending we get. And given that Jillian Anderson has said she's not willing to return, of course, she said that before. Sure. And if yeah. she doesn't, I understand. You got to take that with a grain of salt, though. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I'm okay with that. So on, gosh, I don't know, what's today? Monday, I guess over the weekend. I'm flipping channels. My wife had fallen asleep on the couch and history's running a marathon of band of brothers. Nice. So, all right. It's been a while. So I realized, Oh crap, I'm on episode nine. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I watched the end of nine. I watched 10. I'm like, well, I have HBO. So I started a rewatch and I'm three episodes into my rewatch. And again, this is a 2001 series, which is probably when I watched it, 2001, maybe 2002. So it's been quite a while. Oh, dude, it is great. And then I thought, okay, Wayne's uh, pick of the week last week was that German show that has been touted as, and I know you you said this is probably more marketing ploy, uh, as the German band of brothers. I'm like, okay. Well, where is it? Wayne said he was watching it. Where? It's not on Netflix. Oh, I know where this one's going now. Oh, crap. It's on Amazon. Dear Dave, Dave, And Dave. in my ear, I'm like, Wayne, tell him, why don't you have Amazon? <laughs> anyway, so uh, at some point, I will get to see that. I forget what it's called. I have uh, Generation War. Uh, Generation War, right. And, and again, as you said, it's gotten very, very good reviews. So, uh, yeah, so I'm going to keep up, finish up. Band of Brothers, and I'll report back. So what are you watching this week? So are you up on His Dark Materials? I haven't started this season because my wife, again, this is one of those shows, she really enjoyed season one. She's told me 
she wants to watch season two, and I I know her well enough that <laughs> it's going to be one of these things that in three or four months she's going to say, "All right, go ahead and watch it on your own." Right. <laughs> so I I you know I I have a decision to make whether I cheat on my wife and <laughs> just watch it and no I haven't seen it. Yeah. So anyway, no, I haven't seen it. I think it's it just it's it's just a, a venal sin, Dave. I think uh, okay. you'll be okay. Um, okay. But yeah, it's it's uh what I think we're only two episodes in, I believe, right? Um I think so. Except I, like as Fred told us in Europe, they got uh a week's jump on this. But uh yeah, so far it's it's still very good. You know, I think you know, the source material obviously is is very strong in the first place. Um, and I think the second book, The Subtle Knife, I think that's my favorite of the three books. It's been ages since I've read them, um, but I believe that one was my favorite. So this is right where we are now, so I'm loving it. It's great. Uh, we Lady Mormont was in uh, the, oh, the first nice. episode, which was, was, was cool. Again, playing a... A tough character. I feel like she must be like a really tough kid in in real life because she's always plays these like you know young badasses. <laughs> so, Does she look a little older now? No, not at all. Not really. Uh, she looks. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure she is older, right? And Game of Thrones was what two, three years ago when it fi- finished. Yeah, sure. But she doesn't seem much older, so you know, maybe they just by the way they dressed her and the makeup and everything made her look younger, but. Um, well, the other thing is that finally I have been able to access HBO Max on my television. We've discussed this before. I was very upset, still kind of upset, that Roku and uh, HBO haven't struck a deal, or Warner, I guess, uh, haven't struck a deal on this yet. Uh, a little annoyed at both sides, but they finally made a deal with Amazon, and we just so happen to have an Amazon Fire Stick that really since uh, we got cable a couple months ago, has been basically unused. So I just, it was up in our bedroom, and we, like I said, we weren't using it, so I just took it from there, brought it downstairs, and boom, shakalaka, I got HBO Max, and I'm finally able to watch Doom Patrol. Now, you might say, Wayne, you could have always accessed it on your computer, but I don't like watching things on my computer, especially when I'm at home. I have a big TV. I didn't get a big TV, so I could watch things on my computer. So I was adamant that I would not watch HBO Max at all uh, until they got on Amazon or Roku, and, and my diligence paid off. I feel like maybe I even affected the decision a little bit, Dave. I think you did, and and apparently Roku is close to a deal. I, I at least can access HBO on demand through DirecTV. It's I won't even say it's that difficult to do. It's really not just, uh, you know, using the remote in some remote parts of the uh, <laughs> the chat, the channel dial. But uh, but there are some things that Max offers that I still don't have access to. You know, a lot of the TV library that HBO Max now has. And granted, there's a lot of shows that I don't really care to watch at this point. So, I mean, you've you know. been on DirecTV for a while, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, since I've been in this house. I I guarantee you, if you went to any other provider, it would be way cheaper. You must be paying arm and a leg by this point. Oh, yeah. Because I remember when we had DirecTV, and they jacked those prices up like every at least six months, if not more regularly than that. I I mean, I only had it for a couple of years, but it became 
untenable. Yeah. Well, I call them every year and tell them I'm going to quit and they ah, okay. cut it back. I tell them what I'm willing to pay and they somehow make that happen. You got the car salesman technique. I guess. so. <laughs> or the car buyer that. technique, I should say. Right. Like, I'm just walking yeah. out of here. Okay, you don't like my price? I'm gone. Yep. So, all right. Uh, anything else you want to bring up? No, that's it. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's get to Stargate SG-1, episode 107, The Knox, written by Hart Hansen, directed by Charles Correll, who directed a whole bunch of MacGyver, some Melrose Place for uh, you fans of the, I don't know, when was that, in the 80s? <laughs> that 90s, was the uh, late 80s, early 90s, for sure. Yeah, but he was also the cinematographer on Star Trek Three: Search for Spock. So, okay, okay. Uh, I'll, I'll give him sure. that. This one aired September 12th, 1997. And, you know, it probably doesn't matter. Obviously, I, I touch base with you and I touch base with Fred during the week. The Knox is episode 12 on the DVD set. So I don't know what the deal is. We're going by the order in which they aired. Apparently, Amazon has them listed, the order by which they aired. Fred told me IMDb, which is what he's using as his guide, order in which they aired. So uh, I'll just shut up about that. But looking online, I, I really couldn't find a definitive answer as to why the DVD set has done it that way. But yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I, yeah it could just have been someone in the company that made the DVD said, I like it in this order. You know? um, yeah. But when you have, you know, a basically – you know, I, we touched in with the Go Old uh, in this episode, but really, you can't say that from the first episode to this, that's really followed any kind of story arc, except for just a mention every now and then. There's nothing in this episode that you couldn't put it earlier or later because, you know, it's the one-off. Exactly. I mean, we've got Apophis appearing again. So, okay, he's out there and he's doing his thing, whatever that is. But yeah, like you said, there's no overarching story arc that has really emerged at this point, which is fine. Yeah. This is 1997. Sure. And, you know, these serialized shows were, were just kind of, you know, on the horizon, so to speak. And, you know, in the opening scene, though, of this episode, you know, we see them all in uniform and they're in the gate room. So we know they're not going anywhere. And we realize right away they're putting on a show for the Secretary of Defense, who turns out not to be happy with the lack of technology they've brought back from their missions. And there, there's a couple of things that I love about this exchange, and, and certainly one of which is it establishes a theme that we'll, we'll talk about mm -hmm. during the course of the podcast, but Sam's attempt to explain things uh, so that we find out that the gate is actually, she thinks an event horizon of an artificially created wormhole. And I thought, okay, that's a pretty succinct way of putting you know, what the gate right. actually does. So, all right. Not that the Secretary of Defense had any clue, and certainly <laughs> Jack, by the look on his face, okay, yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> but but her statement that this is humanity's most important endeavor, I, I think really strikes home. And then talk about Captain Buzzkill, 
yeah, well, we brought back some rocks from the moon, and guess what? We haven't gone back. Yeah. So I get what he's saying, but it's just you know this image of the politician who holds the purse strings for these sorts of endeavors who just can't see the big picture. But also what I, 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 th- I thought was very clever about this episode was how, you know, I kind of like, I didn't a hundred percent disagree with him. I get that we're supposed to not agree with him, but I didn't quite disagree with him. He raised a good point because he said, well, if the go old come to attack, what do we have to fight them? It's exactly. Like, well, that's a solid point, right? Yeah. We know that, we're on, you know, they know where the earth is, obviously, right? And Jack pointed out before that they have big ships that they can come and invade with. So, so he's got a solid point. And that kind of establishes this thing where this idea of using force to protect yourself, that, you know, they get, they get the buy-in, right? Jack is going to express that idea through the whole episode. And again, when he says that, we're like, you know, he's not wrong. But then in the end, it turns out that we have to rethink that, you know? So it kind of, this this episode does a really good job of, of setting us up, you know, in that way and then kind of undercutting us then at, at the very end. And I like how they did that. Yeah. And, you know, we've talked a number of times about the four-person team and how Teal'c has sort of been on the periphery and i guess on the one hand you can understand that he is the new person not only to earth but to the sg1 team we could maybe even argue that he has at least temporarily saved the sg program now granted i don't think the department of defense head is going to be real pleased when they tell him well we've brought back something pretty important you know, it's the knowledge that, yeah, <laughs> yeah okay. Uh, still, I, I just really thought Teal'c stepping up and having, you know, whatever, you know, the, the, the confidence, the, you know, the feeling that I will be listened to, that he could say that, and General Hammond immediately listens to him. Now, granted, you could say he's proposing to go and bring back stealth technology, which for the military is a pretty big deal. But still, this is a mission that will put not only the four members of SG-1 at risk, but the program as well. And and again, we've had attempted incursions through the gate. So, you know, you never know. And and in the back of the Secretary of Defense's mind has to be, do I trust Teal'c? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I guess by extension, he probably thinks, well, you know, that Hammond trusts him. So, you know, so I, tr- you know, because, you know, I think, I believe we established earlier that he's like Hammond's buddy, right? Like, hasn't he done that before? Said, well, let me just call the secretary, right? So it, it seems like, uh, you know, if, with, if Hammond backs him, then a lot of people in authority will will go along with that. Okay, and I think we certainly have established that General Hammond does trust Teal'c at this point. You know, the other thing that this episode really looks at, and we've kind of danced around this is a bit, 
that I mean, it's it, it is examining the United States and its role in the world, and, and certainly by extension, Stargate Command's attitude that no matter what, we're the good guys here, and clearly, it's not always that simple. And the perceptions of what we're doing vary. And and Jack, again, we've said many times, he gets all the best lines. We're not in the assassination business. Right. Okay. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and again, that's that's where, again, our perception is it gets kind of subverted a little bit because we, you know, we're down with what he's saying. We're like, okay. You know, I I kind of agree. Like, oh, you're the good guys. The gold are the bad guys. Well, what's the difference? Well, we're the good guys, and they're the bad guys. You know, that, that's the difference. You know, and, and um, the the Knox don't see the difference. Like, they just see if you use violence, you're all the same. It doesn't matter what your intention is. If if you you know use if you, if anyone you perpetuate with violence, then Perpetrate, I'm sorry. You perpetrate violence. It doesn't matter what your intention is. Uh, you're, it's still the, the fact that you're using violence, period. Right. And, and the Knox bring that up to O'Neill on more than one occasion. In, in fact, they point out that we saw you attack them. Right. Initially. And, and O'Neill's like, well, yeah, but we're the good guys. Yeah. Re- okay. Really? Yeah. Right. How how do we know that? Exactly. When you t- get that outside perspective, right, it really helps. Not that we don't think Jack and the team are good, obviously, but it does. We a- end up asking the same questions that the Knots do. Right. Uh, of course. And, you know, even at the end, it seems as if the Knox have saved Apophis from, you know, being taken by SG-1. Or, or unless I misread something, right? Well, right uh, before he 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 gets uh, about to get the arrow, they uh, whisk him out of there. Right, and, and I think initially we think that oh, that's just Apophis's force field, but it's a force field. It's not cloaking technology, right. so it, it's easy to miss the impact of that the first time around. So I, I think the Knox. And the message they're sending O'Neill hopefully will not be lost. But while General Hammond might be able to see the big picture and you know take that for what it's worth, I'm not sure the Secretary of Defense is going to be satisfied with that as their takeaway from that mission. Yeah, they're going to have to so, really be creative in uh, writing up the report for this mission. Right. Um, now, I was not pleased as you might imagine with daniel and his immediate uh, go-to line well apophis is here he knows where sharae is right Uh, let's put the whole mission in jeopardy because you want to (laughs) find your wife and i get that i i really do sure but we've been down this road before this is a military operation and Again, Sam, once again, is the voice of reason. And, you know, even at the end when Jack gives in, which, you know, I mean, look, Daniel's a smart guy. He can weave a compelling case when he needs to. Jack's a smart guy as well. 
so I feel like he's giving in to Daniel rather than looking at the big picture. And I love Sam at the end. Well, we better have a damn good plan. I don't think she says damn good, but but she certainly says we better have a detailed plan for what we're going to do because she's clearly not happy with this decision. And I don't blame her. Well, yeah, you know, especially with uh, with how crappy their plan turned out to be. I mean, you know, as far as like, you know, we get one shot at uh, Apophis, uh, they came up, just there was zero creativity involved there. It was just a really terrible ambush, and it went really badly. Well, I was thinking of you the entire time, Star Wars Stormtroopers, couldn't hit the broadside of a barn if they're yeah. standing a foot in front of it. I mean, my gosh, come on, people. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody hit anybody until, of course, Jack's the first to get shot by Apophis. And look, we we knew he was you know, seriously wounded, but when we find out that all three of them were actually dead, it, it, it kind of takes Stargate Universe to a new level a place we really haven't been i mean we, we've dealt with in, in a lot of cases uh, cultures that are nowhere near as advanced as the stargate program and you, you know it turns out now we're with one that's that's far beyond what they're capable of doing but bringing people back from the dead that's that's kind of a big deal well it, it turns out that they were only mostly dead <clears throat> yeah. and Ironically, the uh, you know Miracle Max is right there. The people don't look much different than uh, Miracle Max from the Princess Pride. I thought. Well, well, right, and and you know, again, I like how they used their torn uniforms as sort of an indicator that yeah, they were shot. You didn't imagine it. It's just that their wounds have been healed, and you know, I think so many shows in the past probably would have just said ah the heck with continuity errors we'll you know give them a you know a uniform that's not torn that looks bad uh, but again jack gets the great line as they one by one come to yeah we were dead now we're not this is a surprise then <laughs> I'm like, okay all right master of the understatement yeah. is uh colonel jack o'neill for sure but but you know again yeah it's a it's a poorly executed ambush and again I just can't get out of my head how much this is Daniel Jackson's fault and maybe I should really blame Colonel O'Neill because he's the one making the decision he could have said nope we're going back through the gate well of course we got to find the gate first but yeah oh, oh, okay that's fine but then we're introduced to the Knox. And of course, at this point, we don't really know they're the Knox. And I'm thinking about what Fred said in his feedback last week. Oh boy, here we go again with this backward culture. And I think that would be an understandable mistake to make given their appearance, the the hair especially. Right. Well, you know, but we do have to remember that they did bring the team back from the dead though too. So that does suggest a certain level of sophistication. Right, but I don't think the team knows it yet, and I'm not sure we really understand that's what happened. At this point, we just know it happened. We don't necessarily know why. And 
again, I like the narrative detail that the Knox don't say a word. And watching Daniel, who's you know the master communicator, and I'm making air quotes as he tries to yeah. uh, communicate, which I guess in a sense was what they needed. They needed to hear our language, and then they were able to to learn it. <laughs> Sam says, "Wow, pr- well, pretty you know, apparently, you know, he doesn't have any Fifth Avenue bars uh, with him either, and that usually in the movie that right. James Spader exactly uh, right, right, right. <laughs> so." Uh, um, but, but yeah, well, and also, throw out the book, I guess everyone doesn't speak English. Right, exactly. But they but, can learn it easily. <laughs> the last couple episodes, everyone's been speaking English, and now all of a sudden, these people don't. It's like, wait, wait, wait a second. You've just got me buying into this whole thing that no matter where they go, everyone speaks English. I accept it, but now you throw it at me that they don't. Well, now I, I guess we have to look ahead that advanced cultures will speak whatever they speak and they can instantaneously learn English if they need to. Backwards cultures, well, I guess that remains to be seen. But yeah, I know what you're saying. And, and okay. And also, while we're talking about Dr. Jackson, how much of the master of the obvious is he? Um, I think this is a family. Well, no shit, Daniel. You got two adults and you got two kids. They're hanging out with each other. Yeah, probably a family. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> what what are we paying you for, by the way? And then the little kid is the first one to talk, and it's to Carter. And immediately Jack sees the look on her face. No, you can't keep him. <laughs> and again, it's just yeah. because he looks like one of these little you know, Monchichi dolls yeah. or whatever they are I, I, with the wild <laughs> hair and all of that. But finally, the adult male speaks, and, and of course, we recognize him as uh, Armin Shimmerman from not only Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where he is the principal of the high school, but Star Trek Deep Space Nine, which I've only seen the first episode. Have, have you seen that series? I saw maybe the first two, maybe three. See, I when it first came out, I was pretty pretty. Uh, Watched it a lot, yeah. But I, I didn't rec. I, uh, Fred said, I, I, you know, it's been ages. I forgot the character's name. Quark, um, maybe, or something like that. Quark, yes, Quark, Quark. Um, so after I heard Fred say, it's like, ah, that's it, you know, because it's kind of like it's one of those things where it's like bothering you as you're watching. Like, God, I know that guy. You know, where do I know that guy from? And the minute Fred said, that, I'm like, yes, of course. Um, but, uh, you know, it didn't obviously bother me enough that I actually looked it up or anything. But, but yeah. So, yeah. And, uh, and, of course, he immediately lets Jack and the team know that, you know, we saw you attack the Gaold. You're not necessarily the good guy. We want you to leave. Take your ways with you. And, and certainly we understand this is not the first group of people that they've had to deal with and have they had to deal with the gaul before see that that's what's not exactly clear you know on the one hand we're sort of getting the impression that the gaul has been here before i mean how how else did teal know to come right. to this planet looking for the stealth technology yet apophis seems like this is his first time but yeah, again maybe i'm wrong about that I, I, yeah, I, I don't 
I, I can't sue the Apophis. Think it's his first time, but uh, we know for sure that they've been there before because obviously Teal tells us, but also uh, the head Knox dude tells how they've come hunting before and how they hide the uh, the bird thing creatures, whatever. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you had mentioned, and, and I agree with you that that we really haven't established any overarching themes yet for the series i mean certainly we've got themes within each episode but i i think it's more maybe overarching character development because the team is crafting bows and arrows for the showdown with apophis because they don't have anything else they're weapons have been confiscated and you know at, at what point the knocks send them back through the gate we don't know i mean we learn it towards the end of the episode that that's what they've done but that exchange with jack and the little kid who's fascinated with their weapons and asks him why do you fight and i couldn't help but you know notice the parallel to jack's son who clearly was fascinated with his gun uh, i mean we we certainly don't get any indication that his son killed himself deliberately it was clearly an accident and right. your, your father's you know a high-ranking military officer you know he apparently has a great relationship with your mom happy family and just fascinated with the gun so so that parallel there it, it, it strikes me that it should have impacted jack a little more than it has in, in this episode I would have expected him to almost, you know, put up a sterner look to the kid, you know, because he's got that in his background of experience that, you know, a, a young boy fascinated with weapons ended up killing himself. Yeah. Well, and in the, in the movie, you know, um, you know, Kurt Russell's character, it's, it's really, you know, he, the one time he, he yells at the kids like, get away from that, you know? Like when they show an interest in his gun, he he just freaks out on them, you know, like dangerous, dangerous, you know. And he's like much more adamant about it than uh, the character we see now. But but that is still a thing, and I think he even says to the the knocks, like you know, they're, they're those weapons are very dangerous, you know. Like he doesn't want other people handling uh, that. He he is more than well aware of of the danger of of inexperienced people handling weapons. Right. And I love, you know, you use the word inexperience and that's the thematic idea that the Knox is taking towards the SG one team. That whole idea that knowledge takes time. He tells Jackson, who's trying to pry him for information about how did you bring us back from the dead? And it's clear that the Knox leader has enough sense of what these earthlings are all about that, you know, you're not ready for that knowledge yet. Maybe in time you will be, but definitely not now because obviously that would be knowledge, technology, whatever you want to call it, that would keep the Stargate program funded for decades. If they could bring something yeah. back like that. Sure. Sure. And, and that's, where we're still buying in with Jack's point of view. Like we could really use this stuff. This would really help us against go old. Right. And, you know, no matter what the knocks try, you know, clearly 
you know, Jack is just not, he's not receptive to, to the message that they're putting out there. Right. You know, in Ragnarok, just to shift gears, and I actually do have a point here, the, okay. the, the, the blonde sister, you know, for the, for the family that runs the town, what's her name? God, I can't remember her name, but you know who I mean, right? Short blonde hair. Her bro- uh, yes. Okay. Yeah. So you remember the scene when uh, they're, they're on the track at the, at the school and, uh, you know, she's like acting like she doesn't know how to throw the javelin. And, right. and everybody's like, and then oh. she, she throws right. it right at him and almost takes his head off. Exactly. That's what I thought about. You know, you know this whole thing about the Knox. Soxa. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> you know, Jack is beating home the idea that you should be afraid of the Ga'uld. They are dangerous. They want to enslave you. We can help you. That's what we do. We help the weak. And all the while, the Knox know we're way more powerful than you are, dude. And, sure. and eventually at the end, they reveal that and, and they reveal, you know, almost like piece by piece their power. But again, it's this superior attitude that we have as earthlings going out into the universe that you know it is probably one of our greatest mistakes and and this episode i think drives that idea home and whether or not sg1 will take that knowledge with them as they explore the next planet again we'll see once that happens well well right and that's the whole beauty of how this is tailored right because we agree with jack because we can only we're only seeing this through a very limited um point of view right uh not thinking that these people have been around for a long long time maybe they have a way of keeping themselves safe but for most of us and for certainly for jack the idea of being safe means you have a lot of weapons and stuff around you to help you stay safe and the whole point that the docs are trying to make is like well no that's a way and certainly doesn't even necessarily make you very safe at all actually and you know but it's just that complete you know in the end we had that complete revolution of thought for jack when he realizes what he had accepted as chapter and verse his entire life, what we have been accepting throughout this whole episode is really patently not true. Right. Maybe one day you'll learn that your way is not the only way. And I'm still puzzling over that vision that the Knox leader reveals to the team. You know, it looks like this advanced floating city. Or is it just a city that's on a mountaintop that they've obscured? I, I don't think it really matters. I, I, my takeaway is that clearly there is advanced technology at this location, wherever it is. Absolutely. And the only problem, though, is in order to get the, the uh, floating city, you have to uh, you know, separate a child from his demon to create the amount of energy necessary to, to get there. So. Well, the really uh, nothing. No, well, I'm not sure what you meant by that. <laughs> it's dark materials, man. Oh, 
Remember? It's been, it's, well, yeah. it's been close to a year since I've seen it. I never all did right, a rewatch, well, so all right. Start start with the rewatch, yeah. and then you know, get Mary in on the rewatch, and then and you just segue nah, into. The she new doesn't. Season. She doesn't do rewatches, but um, all right. But anyway, you know, but but the whole idea of the very young do not always do as they're told. Obviously, coming from Jack is pretty meaningful. Yep. As is his naivety that he now has something worth taking home, which on the one hand is absolutely true. On the other hand, it's completely false because for the people <laughs> that are in control of the Stargate program, wait, that's what you're bringing us. And that's what we're funding. Uh, no, I don't think so. Yeah. So you, you must've misunderstood our directors when you went on this mission. Right. But <laughs> You know, again, it's a long series. We know they're going to come across technology that they will bring home, or certainly one would uh, one would think. But you know, in, in this situation, so what I love is you know we don't see the knocks for who they truly are, and and I think it, it just comes across that they're this race of beings that has now forced at least SG-1, to rethink their place as they go about exploring the universe. Whether they'll remember once they go to the next planet, you know, remains to be seen. But, uh, but yeah, you know, I like this one. And do you, do you think we're going to run across Sheree and Skara again? I mean, is it almost like Chekhov's gun that if Daniel keeps bringing it up to never address it <laughs> seems like kind of a cheat. Yeah. I mean, obviously we're going, you know, I mean, we, we know that there's some point down the road where they're going to corner Apophis. They're going to defeat him and they're going to bring back Sheree and Scar. I mean, we know that's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's foregone conclusion. It's just a matter of how many times Apophis is going to have sex with Sheree before it happens. Okay. That's what's running through Daniel's mind. Okay. And, you know, I, I think the other thing that, that is cool about that idea is wondering how much of Skara still resides within him. Will coming face-to-face -face with Jack bring back the memories of the relationship they had before Apophis took him over. So I guess I'm not feeling real good about the Daniel Jackson Charay relationship at this point. I think that's one of the things that from a narrative perspective, it makes more sense to have him disappointed and then see how that affects it. And to be honest, I don't remember, you know, so i find that extremely difficult to believe Dave. that they would do that or that i don't remember that you don't remember oh, what happens i really don't you know i was looking oh, okay. you know um it, it's it's difficult to find good images to use with our blog posts i guess back in 1997 you know podcasts were just getting underway the just you know nowadays it's easy to find high resolution photos to use with the blog post. So, you know, here I usually end up just making screen caps. That said, right. you have to be careful. 
Googling Stargate SG-1 because you see pictures. I'm like, oh, uh, I don't exactly remember that, but uh, I wish I didn't know yeah. that. Well, yeah. Well, because, I mean, you know, obviously it's it's a fairly old show. So, you know, the the spoiler concept really doesn't apply at all. Uh, and especially as it's it's a canon, you know, it's one of those shows that if you – are any type of fan of genre, you've definitely got Stargate under your belt. Yeah. Um, so there's probably loads of stuff that are, are just out there that like even memes, like I saw a meme. Uh, I don't know how I ran across it. I, I don't know what I was searching for, but I ran across some Stargate meme and I was like, no, wait, no, I don't want to know. <laughs> you know? Um, so yeah, it's 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 all out there for for a lot of good reasons, and there's no there's no bad reason why all this stuff is out there. But that's what is part of the challenge of of uh, going coming at Stargate for the first time. Now you know it's just there's so much out there about it, and so much of what we would consider spoilers if we were if we were running you know if we were go if we were showing right now on on TV. Right, I've at least resisted the urge to go to IMDb. I I've learned my lesson the hard way yeah. how many times. So uh anyway, um anything you want to bring up that we haven't talked about? No, I mean I just I really like this this idea and the whole thing of of, of this concept of uh, that we've discussed here of viewing the world through just this very single narrow lens and not v- taking a wider view and seeing that there's other ways. There's, you know, as we said, there's other ways for us to achieve security other than building up lots and lots of weapons. Of course, that is a, you know, very liberal view. And, and But you can see that theme. I don't think they really hammer it too much, but it's certainly there. And, you know, I think that's that's kind of something you can apply to just life in general, just to, you know, to make to free ourselves from our, our, our narrow mindedness, you know, our own perceptions and to try and see the world you know, through others eyes. Well, yeah, but that's I think the strength of this episode is that they get that idea across relatively subtly, yet unmistakably. And yeah. I, I I just think that's the mark of good writing. And, you know, sure. the other interesting thing before I forget, when we talk about the, the writer and the director of each episode at the beginning of the podcast, this is 1997. A lot of these people are not working anymore. They're just retired. Uh, sometimes they are, but in, in a lot of cases, uh, they're just retired. And that's understandable. It's been 23 years since... Uh, this episode aired yeah. so okay yeah. oh there's one more thing um you know teal might want to rethink how he trains people because this guy shackle who escapes does a great job of escaping tries to kill one of the the knocks and again they might <laughs> again we see that we're like now don't you see they're the bad guys jack's a good guy right but he's in the middle of the uh the forest and he's just calling out like, okay, you're trying to evade. You know they're looking for you. Staying in the middle of the forest and calling out is probably not the best, you know, idea right now. Yeah, good point. I didn't even pick up on that. But yeah. So. All right. Well, you ready to hear what Fred's got for us this week? Yeah. Okay. 
Hello Dave and Wayne and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Stargate SG-1 Season 1 Episode 7. First off, want to come back to your podcast. Well, listen, uh, in keeping with uh, the trend that we've done the last few weeks, we're going to take a look at J.C. McKenzie tonight, who plays Reagan Normal Ronald. Uh, he's done a lot of one-offs leading up to Dark Angel. After Dark Angel, he did a lot more one-offs leading up to a series regular role on Hemlock Grove playing Dr. Arnold Spivak. Now, I don't know what the connection. I've never seen either show. Another guy on Hemlock Grove, right? Who, yeah. who was on last week? Who did we, we talk about? Like last week, we talked about someone who's on Hemlock Grove. I, I believe it was Sketch, right? I think so. Yeah, right. But wow. you know, now I have same- to go back and watch Hemlock Grove. I can't, I can't afford this right now, Dave. I said, I want to come back to your podcast, but I didn't say to which podcast. This was actually your podcast about Dark Angel, Season 1, Episode 21 of April 23rd, 2015. And of course, I recently watched that episode and listened to your podcast. And I was quite amazed hearing something about Hemlock Grove here, so I couldn't resist to uh, play this fragment here. Especially funny was when Wayne said, oh no, I have to rewatch Hamlet Crow. I cannot, I cannot cope with that at the moment, Dave. Wow, you know, now I have same- to go back and watch Hemlock Grove. I can't, I can't afford this right now, Dave. Okay, let's go into episode seven. Marvelous was, of course, encountering Herman Zimmerman here, who we all know, of course, as Quark in Star Trek, or as the principal in Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. To be honest, I actually didn't recognize him in the beginning, but when he opened his mouth and said something, I thought, hey, this is Quark. Last podcast, I was afraid that we would encounter more ancient cultures and forest-dwelling races, etc. Well, this last thing is surely true, but they were not that underdeveloped as you would anticipate just by seeing a picture of this episode. Although living in a forest, they had quite advanced capabilities, even bringing people back from the dead. What I found a little bit disappointing is that the SG-1 team tried to get these powers from these forest-dwelling people, so their healing uh, capability, they wanted to get that. It, It gave me a little bit of feeling of... The Spaniards who came to the Inca countries and stole their gold and brought the diseases there. And, well, Jack O'Neill is teaching this, uh, this young guy how to use bow and arrow, etc. I really got a kind of conquering colonialistic feeling and it didn't fit for me to the incentive of the SG-1 team. Especially Daniel, he felt more like a greedy robber than a scientist. Not very much according to the Star Trek Prime Directive. Uh, Oh, sorry, uh, wrong series. Final topic, last podcast, you said... The Europeans, almost no matter what country you go in, they've decided in many cases to preserve the past, while here in America... Well, geez, that building's 30 years old. We need to tear it down and build a new one. Right. Like, what? And actually, I don't fully agree because my experience in the United States and traveling to the United States is that 
When there is a building that's too old, it's just abandoned and they build a new one next to it or across the street of it and they just let the old building rot instead of breaking it down. And of course that is much cheaper and if you have the space, well, you just can do it like that. In a dense populated country as the Netherlands, everything we are not using are is immediately broken down because we really need the space. Once I visited a very nice convention center in New Orleans and just across the street there is a kind of factory ruin. Not a very nice view from this very nice and modern convention center. Even in the case of when we had space enough we would tear something like that down because it's not a very nice picture from when you have a nice convention in that convention center for instance. Or they will get a complete new purpose, like they are rebuilt for living quarters, houses, etc. I know of old prisons or old factories where they build in all kinds of apartments into it. And a well-known one is, of course, old 17th, 18th century Amsterdam warehouses, where they put in apartments. Okay, that was all for this time. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. All right, Fred, nice blast from the past. Not only uh, Dark Angel, <laughs> but uh, the Hemlock yeah. Grove reference. Do you think he's lobbying for episode four? Yeah, maybe a little bit next year. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with the parallel that he brings up about the 16th century explorers and the impact they have on innocent cultures. And again, it's an idea that's unmistakably brought up in this episode yet delivered, you know, fairly even handedly. So it's not going to be the last time that it comes up. I think the question as we go forward with the series is whether or not, SG-1 or any of the other SG teams will do any actual damage to these cultures that they encounter. Because you would just think, you know, the the percentages would, you know, I, I think say that, well, eventually you are going to make a mistake or whatever, right. and, and you're, or you're going to bring a virus or whatever. And yeah, well, in this episode with the little kid, you know, potentially they did do some damage there. Well, they did, but then they, you know, alleviated that damage with the fact that the Knox can bring you back from the dead. <laughs> of course, we don't know. Maybe they can right, only but if, do if it this once. Kid, if, if this kid thinks that weapons are cool, then that could be a problem. Well, that's, that's true. That is true. So. Um, and, and then Fred brings up something I had mentioned last week about Europeans preserving their buildings. And, you know, as, as he points out, that's, you know, sometimes true, sometimes not. But but he, he brought up something that I never really thought about in the United States. And, and again, it's true in a lot of cases that if a building gets too old for us, we just abandon it and let it lapse into decay and of course, we've done that with so many of our major cities rather than raise it to the ground and then build something new. Uh, and he even mentions, I forget what city, might have been New Orleans, that uh, they built this 
beautiful new convention center next to the one that's like crumbling to the ground. It's like, yeah, okay, that's kind of a nice view for the people that are in the nice sparkling new yeah. facility. But uh, anyway, anything else about Fred's feedback? Nope. Okay. All right, Fred, thank you. And uh, yeah, nice, uh, nice call back to Hemlock Grove there, Fred. <laughs> but uh, all right, what do you want to give this one for a grade? You know, you know, I I probably like this more than the last one. We gave the last one A minus. So now I just feel like we've we've upgraded. I think I need a bad one so I can really slam it and just bring our our I think our, our curve is just going getting up too high. Well, do you want to just stick with A minus on this one? I, I I think if we can stick with A minus. Okay. I think. And that's actually, you know, now I think about it, that that's legit. That's a legit score for well, this right. I, I really did like this episode a lot. Well yeah, and I liked the previous one a lot. They were different. You know, so that they yes. they deserve the A minus for different reasons. So um you know, like you, I'm not quite ready to go full on A just quite yet. So No. All right. Well, I feel like we 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 like I don't know. I don't want to see worse episodes, but I almost do just so we can kind of like have a bunch in the B range, just reserve the A's for like the really exceptional ones. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, so, all right. Well, before we get into the uh, closing, I'll, I'll give you something to uh, think about o- over the next okay. week. Uh, um, you know, I got an email from my editor at Den of Geek, and, and what they do every year is, uh, and I guess this ends up being some kind of an article that fortunately I'm not the one that has to write, but for us to list our top 10 television series from 2020. So it's a show that has to have aired, you know, the bulk of its season sometime in 2020. And then our top 10 episodes. Now, I, mm. I'm hoping I can just give them the top 10 shows and just leave the episodes <laughs> blank because, you know, what the hell, I don't know. But it got me to thinking, all right. Now, just th- pick The Last Kingdom. Well, you know, I, I, then, I certainly yeah. have that on my, my short list as one of the 10. And, you know, this encompasses all of TV. So, of course, you know, I have to put This Is Us on there. I'm just kidding. Wow. I- I'm kidding. Um, but but I'm thinking like all right number one well I mean I have to consider dark at, at the number oh, yeah. one spot um, yeah for a non genre show I have to consider the Queen's Gambit that was so sure. good that was awesome but then like you said Last Kingdom was really yeah. good sure. so you know I mean not that you have to put a top ten list but you know maybe top three and maybe we can you know banter about next time or the time after about what our top couple shows okay. were for 2020 and yeah, snow piercer see i haven't seen that but but you're certainly not alone uh, in, in saying how good it was yeah so okay all right well anyway we'll go ahead and leave it there all right that'll do it for this episode of sci-fi tv rewatch I want to thank you for joining us love to hear what you think about stargate sg1 maybe what you're favorite show or top couple shows for 2020 were uh, join the Facebook group and, and post your list there if you want to shoot us an email it's sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com we'll be back next week to discuss episode 8 of Stargate SG-1 titled Brief Candle but until then uh, I don't know if uh, 
if you all know this out there, you probably don't because you don't hear it, but right before we start recording almost every week, I say, Dave, please tell me you know what's going on. <laughs> 